Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. If you would open up tonight to Proverbs 19 to begin with. Proverbs 19, we're talking about preparing for the new year. I will include some information in here tonight about the fast up and coming. And uh, how do we do that? Now, I won't get into, you know, tons of details about that, but it's not that difficult to understand. But we will talk a little bit about that, even if I have time permitting, even some practical aspects of what you need to do in relationship to a fast. If you especially have family to go home to in the evenings or in any time frame of that fast, because you do want to let them know and help them prepare as well. I'm going to go to Proverbs 19 to start with. Proverbs 19 verse 20. We're going to look at multiple verses to begin with, with a significance of what we really are preparing for. 1920, listen to counsel and receive instruction. Listen to counsel, and as you do, receive what? Instruction. So the listening to counsel means open up to proper counsel, but as you do, then receive the very instruction that comes through that counsel. Why? That you may be wise in your latter days. That you may be wise in your latter days. Anybody want to be wise in your latter days? Verse 21. There are many plans. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel will stand. Say, there are many plans in my heart. But it's the Lord's counsel that will stand. One translation says that the eternal's plan will prevail. The eternal's, talking about the Father because he's eternal. The eternal's plan will what? Prevail. His plan will stand or prevail. Now, let's talk about a couple things out of this verse. As we've recently touched on this a while back in a series this year, there are many plans in a man's heart. I think it's kind of fitting that I saw Terry Mize post this today. Our pastor said it for years. Should I just do what's ever in my heart? No. No, you shouldn't. A lot of people think they should, but the truth is, what if what's in your heart ain't of God? You may have things in your heart. He just told you there's many plans in a man's heart. Well, guess what you don't want? Your plan. He's not telling you, so find out what your plan is and do it. It's not what he's saying. He's saying you do have many plans, but guess what? It's not your plans that prevail eternally. It's not your plan that ultimately will obviously bring to pass what God intended for your life. What will? His plan. The word counsel there is plan. His plan, the Lord's counsel, the Lord's plan, it will do what? It will prevail. It will stand. That means once you get in the plan of God and you understand how to walk out that plan, guess what? You're undefeatable. You can't be stopped from seeing it happen. What do I need to do, Pastor, to walk out what's significant to what I know would be ultimately a prevailing aspect of God's plan for my life? First of all, you need to find out what it is, which we're going to talk about tonight. 
You need to find out what it is. You have many plans in your heart, and I'll guarantee you what you got to recognize is that doesn't mean I should be considering or meditating on or thinking about those plans. No, you should not. You should get beyond what you think, and you should find out for sure what God thinks. I'm going to tell you right now that no Christian would ever fail in any avenue of life if they knew God's plan, but that's not enough, and they knew how to apply it. I mean, the children of Israel knew God's plan, but they were unwilling to put faith in God to apply it. One of the things I will tell you about God's plan for your life in relationship to next year, the years after that, and the years after that till the Lord returns, one thing about God's plan for your life, I promise you this, it will challenge you in, in, in ways in the natural. It will challenge you in the natural. It's always been so in the Bible. When God told the children of Israel, I have a promised land for you, what was the challenge there? You've got to overtake those enemies. But didn't God say he was going to drive them out? <clears throat> didn't God say he was going to drive them out? Excuse me. Yes, he did. But did the children of Israel enter that plan? The, first, the main part of the first generation did not. Why? Why did they not do so? They had God's plan. I said they had God's plan. <clears throat> you know what they weren't willing to do? They were not willing to trust the God who gave them the plan. Because <clears throat> all this comes down to a trust issue. <clears throat> all of it does. That's why Brother Summerall, when he was asked by a young minister, what is faith, Dr. Summerall? How far? Listen to the phrase. Not can you. How far can you trust God? <clears throat> How far can you? Because however far you can trust God is how far your faith's going to go. <clears throat> the children of Israel trusted him enough to get them out of Egypt, but guess what? God couldn't get Egypt out of them. And because he couldn't get Egypt out of them, they missed out on their promised land. A lot of Christians may actually get to the point where they really do know the plan of God as it relates to their life, what God wants to do in the near future and down the road in some ways. But you know what? Just knowing the plan's not enough you got to trust God. And that means you're going to face challenges. Uh, I, I know with my heart that building's a plan that God has for what we want to do as a church. A lot of people can say, how come it hasn't come to pass yet? Any idea how long, uh, uh, Moses, uh, excuse me, any idea how long Noah was working on the ark? Almost 100 years, long time. Think about that. But guess what? When the flood came, guess what he was glad? Guess what he was glad about? He stuck with the plan. Being ridiculed, come on, made fun of, challenged, all this kind of stuff. This is a crazy old man, doesn't know what he's talking about, never been a flood, don't even know what a flood is. On and on we could go. But Noah had God's plan, and he stuck with it. I find that a lot of Christians, one, have no idea what God's plan is. Most of the time you ask them, they don't know. So that's where you got to start. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. But number two, then you got to do what? you got to stick with God's plan. And that means you're going to face challenges. You're going to face uh, uh, you know, times of tribulation, persecution. You're going to face uh, aspects of what Satan's going to try to do to divert you, to deceive you, to mislead you, and on and on I could go. But once you know God's plan, do I know without a doubt, then therefore I'm going to prevail? Yes. No, you don't. <laughs> once I have God's plan, do I know that I will prevail? No, you don't. You got to do what? Trust him. Just having the plan is not enough. I'm going to keep saying that. Once I have God's plan, do I know that I'll prevail? No, not if I don't trust him with it. I don't know, not if I don't do what he tells me to do. Amen? So knowing the plan is where we got to start. 
Now think about this. If you, go ahead and turn to Psalm 33 while I'm talking. <clears throat> if you thought about any aspect of any issue relating to your life going forward in the future, if you could know without a doubt, by the way you can, but if you could know without a doubt exactly what God wanted you to do tomorrow, the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year, on and on I could go. If you knew without a doubt what his plan was, would you not be excited to know that I can walk out something that without a doubt will prevail? That it'll work every time? That it will never fail? I'll never have to look back and say, well, why? Wow, I don't understand why that didn't work. If you knew God's plan and you worked it the way he said, guess what? It prevails. It, it will stand. It will always come to pass. It will never fail. There's never been a plan of God that failed except for those who simply were unwilling to trust him and do what he asked them to do in that aspect of the plan. So realize if you and I have access. Think about it. We have access to the plans of God for our life. Bible says you have the mind of Christ. I don't think most Christians have woke up to the reality yet. You know, if, if I said this, so Grayson, stand up for me. Now notice this. When Grayson stands up, what part of Grayson stood up? All of Grayson. You listening? It wasn't just his head that stood up and his body sat down. Aren't you glad about that, by the way? <laughs> but his whole entire being stood up. Why? Because when you think of Grayson, you don't think of a head or a body separate. You think of the whole being. You are the body of Christ. He's the head. You're the body. When we talk about Christ, we're talking about what? We're talking about a whole entire being, which includes us, the body. Can I get a better amen? So think about that. You are connected to the head as the body. You lack no ability to not know what God wants for your life. Thank you, Grayson. You, you got to quit looking at yourself as separate from Christ because you're one spirit with him. I said you're one spirit with him. Sure, he's a separate person spiritually than you are, but you're one spirit with the Lord, meaning that who he is, so are you. He's a son of God. We're sons and your sons, we're all sons or daughters of God. He has the ability to know all that the Father obviously would reveal to him. So do you. You've got the mind of Christ. The only reason we're lacking in any understanding of anything about our life is because we're not doing what the Bible says to find it. But we can. <clears throat> Am I going to get any good amens tonight? Amen. Psalm 33. That excites me. Amen. When you talk about the fact that I can know in detail exactly what God wants for my life tomorrow, the next day, next week, and on down the road, that I could know, that I could walk in His plan, and if I'm walking in it and trusting in it, guess what? It prevails. Amen. I'm not going to fail. Right. You listening? I guarantee you, Noah to those guys in that day looked like a failure, but he wasn't when the rain came. Psalms 33, watch this, verse 10. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. In other words, their counsel is not going to stand. Their plans, nations is just all different ethnic groups of the world. So it don't matter what ethnic group you came out of. Part of my authenticity comes from uh, Native Americans. Part of my authenticity comes from a uh, Polish nation. I mean, I got a lot of mixture, but it don't matter. All he's saying is, it doesn't matter where you got information or understanding from of any form of ethnic background. Guess what? It's not going to stand unless it's the Lord's plan. Are you listening? 
The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing, meaning he's not going to bring your plan to pass. You listening? He's not going to try to stop you from doing it because you got a free will. But he's not going to bring your plan to pass. If you're working out your plan and God didn't, and God's not in it, it's not his plan, he will not bring your plan to pass. Because it's not his. Meaning what? It's not the best. It's not what God intended. It's not what God had for you. And all the time Christians live this life, they're always actually walking out what is in their heart to do. And it may even be in the sense from their view a good thing. I want to be this, and I want to do that, and I want to do this for God, and I want to do that for God. What if God never told you to do that for him? What if God never told you he wanted you to do that, or be this, or be that? Well, guess what God can't do? He cannot help you. I said he cannot help you. If he's helping your plan come to pass, he's going against his. You listening? I'll give you a perfect example. Brother Hagin one time had the Lord deal with him as a traveling minister where he had people coming to him trying to get counsel from him in churches. The Lord said, I didn't anoint you to counsel people. I anointed you as a teacher to teach them the word of God. I'll tell you who I anointed to counsel those people, the pastor. If they don't go to their pastor, they're not going to the one I anointed to, to counsel them. We're not talking about somebody who has a question about something you know, simple in the Bible where another believer could say, well, the Bible says this. They're not talking about that. I'm talking about getting to personal issues and personal counseling of people's lives. The Lord told him, don't you ever try to counsel somebody again. You're not anointed to do it, Brother Hagin. Kenneth Hagin, you're not anointed to do it. I anointed pastors to do it. So when you try to step into a role God didn't gift you or give you an ability to do, guess what he can't do? He can't help you. I said he can't help you. Why? It's not his plan. And if he's trying to help you with your plan, he's working against his. And God ain't going to work against his plan for your life. Tell your neighbor, you need to wake up real quick and start amen and pastor a little better. Any amens on this message? The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. All it means is he won't help them come to pass. He will not because they're not his plan. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. He's not going to work with them. He's not going to help them if it's not his plan. Verse 11, it is the counsel of the Lord. Notice this, the counsel of the Lord that what? Stands forever. The plans of his heart to all what? All generations. So this is similar to what we just read, very similar to what we just read in the book of Proverbs. The counsel of the Lord is what stands forever or prevails or comes to pass. And it is the plans of his heart that are available to what? Who's it available to? Everybody. Meaning what? It don't matter what generation you're from. God's got a plan. I just wish God had a plan for my life. He just told you that he does. He's got plans for all the generations. 12, blessed is the nation whose God is what? The Lord. Say it with me. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Come on, say it with me. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. What, what do you mean blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord? Is he the Lord? If he's the Lord, he's calling the shots. If he's the Lord, you're following his plan. If he's just your God and you say, well, I know he's my God. He's my father. I love him. I love Jesus. Yeah, but guess what? He wants to be the Lord of your life, meaning that he wants you to be fully submitted to what he has planned for you. And when you are, guess what happens? You become blessed. Blessed are the people, nation. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. 
That would be you and me born again. So again, in verse 11, it tells you clearly that it's the counsel of the Lord that stands and his very plans of his hearts of his heart are available to who? All generations. Now, if you want to hold your spot here, because we're going to come back to Proverbs in a minute, you'll be close by. But I'm going to go to book of Acts for a second. I got to do this. In the book of Acts, we got to see this in order tonight. Say, if I've got God's plan and I trust his plan, it will prevail. Meaning, well, it will not fail. It, it will, Acts 13, it will accomplish exactly, exactly what God had planned for your life. It will be fulfilled. It will come to pass. Any good amens on that? I'm sorry, Acts 5. I don't know why I told you Acts 13. I'm looking at the wrong notes here. Acts 5, I apologize. Acts chapter 5. If you're taking notes, of course, now you've got to erase that and delete that. And write down Acts chapter 5. Go to Acts 5. So, Understand the significance of making sure that we are in God's plan. Dr. Sumrall has challenged my life in so many ways and all the things I've ever heard him teach. And I'm so grateful for a connection with this man of God through our pastor. And one of the things Dr. Sumrall said was, he said, all you people that are in a hurry to get something done, you might as well just stop. You're just wasting your time. Anybody tells me they're in a hurry to get something done? I already know. They ain't got God's plan. That's right. That's right. I'll let that rest on you for a minute. He said, anybody tells me they're in a hurry to get something done? I already know. They ain't got God's plan. Because if they got God's plan, God's not trying to hurry you along to get his plans done. He wants you to simply walk out every day and trust in him, in a relationship with him, what he has planned for your life. And I'm going to tell you, Kathy can tell you, I was one of the most hurried up, got to get somewhere, got to go person all the time. And sometimes, a lot of times, that may be due to us running late and not walking in the light of what we need to do stewardship-wise with our time. But I'm here to tell you, if God's got a plan for you and you trust him and do it his way, guess what? He's not going to hurry you through it. He didn't hurry Noah through it. Well, Noah, you got to get this thing built here by tomorrow night. No. God knew how long it would take. Just be diligent. Be obedient. Do what I called you to do today. Don't get no. I guarantee you, no. What? No hurry. You listening? Moses was not in any hurry. He took it day by day, step by step, according to what God told him to do, until the time came that he would re- remove them from Egypt. God wasn't in a hurry to do it. God had a plan. God doesn't get in a hurry about anything because, again, God's not limited to time. Now, I'm not going to tell you there's not timing with God's plans and that you could miss out on something God had you to do simply because you didn't know it. But to try to hurry it along and try to get there faster than what God intended ain't going to work. You're going to get out of God's will. Can I get a better amen? And, and most of the time, when we're living such a hurried life, I'll tell you why we are. We're living a hurried life, not only because we may be bad stewards of our time, but we just don't really know God's plan for our life. Because when you know God's plan, you can just get in a place of faith and rest and just do what you know you're to do by faith and obedience to God. And guess what? It'll prevail. I don't have to get all frustrated, frazzled, upset. I don't, I'm not trying to hurry that building along. Sure, I'd like to have seen it standing up there, you know, uh, uh, yesterday. I'd like to be there tonight. But guess what? I'm no hurry. I'm just walking out God's plan. I said, I'm just walking out God's plan. Acts chapter 5, are you there? So this is the occasion where right after the, te- the birthing of the New Testament church, 
right? Peter's seeing miracles, signs, and wonders, and so the apostles, and guess what? The religious leaders of the day ain't happy about it. Not happy about it. So we pick this up in verse 13. Notice it says here very clearly in verse 13 that through the hands of the apostles, Peter and the rest, many signs and wonders were being done among the people. They were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. Believers were what? Believers were what? Increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women. So that they brought the, the uh, sick out into the streets even and laid them in beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Now what's happening here? They're getting all the attention. Not because they're trying to. They're just doing what God told them to do. Who's no longer getting the attention? The religious leaders. They're not happy about it. Drop down to verse 17. The high priest rose up with all those who were with him which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with what? Indignation. 18, they laid their hands on the apostles, and they put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord thwarted their plan. You know why? Because it wasn't God's plan for them to stay in jail. I said, you you didn't hear me. It was not God's plan for them to stay in jail. It doesn't mean walking out God's plan stuff doesn't come against you. But if it ain't God's plan for you to stay there, you ain't staying there. But they stayed in faith. I said they stayed in faith. At night, verse 19, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. What did he say? Run from these people, go hide, don't ever talk about Jesus anymore. You know what they were really mad about? How were they doing the miracles? In the name of Jesus. Verse 20, go stand in the temple. Go right back to the temple. Go stand in the temple, speak to the people all the words of this life. 21, when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and they taught. But the high priest and those with him, they came and called the council together. They're unaware this has happened so far. They called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and they sent to the prison to have them brought. 22, but when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported saying, indeed, we found the prison shut securely. So what did the angel do after he took them out? He locked it back up. You listening? And the guards were still standing outside before the doors. Well, how come the guards that were standing outside before the doors didn't report it? Ladies and gentlemen, let me help you. Somehow that angel walked them out of there without them even knowing about it. Put the guards to sleep. I don't know. You know, angelic hosts hit them behind their very wing. I don't know. We don't know. But here's the point. Those guards were to make sure they didn't leave. And they left without the guards knowing about it. I'm going to tell you what. Walking in your, in your uh, plan, uh, excuse me, walking in God's plan for your life can be really interesting. Indeed, we found the prison securely shut. The guards were still there outside before the doors. But when we opened them, when we opened the prison doors, guess what? Golly, Gomer, nobody was there. We, we found no one inside. 24. Now, when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. What in the world? Where did these boys go? Well, they just disappeared in the thin air. The guards are still there. The doors are locked and they're not there. Wouldn't you be scratching your head? What in the world happened here? 
Notice, so one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison, guess what? They're back over in that temple. They're back over in the temple. They're teaching the people again for the very reason you arrested them. They're not even paying attention to what you told them. They're back over there preaching that, about Jesus again, preaching the, about that preacher from Galilee. 26, the captain went with the officers. He brought them with violence, for the, uh, excuse me, without violence, for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. 27, when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest asked, saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? But who did tell them to teach in that name? God did, which was therefore God's plan. Whose plan are you going to follow, God or man's? Did God not tell you to be a witness? Whose plan are you going to follow, God or man's? You going to keep your mouth quiet or you going to start being a witness? Whose plan are you going to follow? And look, look, they go on to say, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. They were not doing any such thing. That's a lie. And they were not filling Jerusalem with their own doctrine. They were filling Jerusalem with the doctrine of God. 29, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, underline it, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. If they were obeying men, whose plan would they be following? Man's plan. But if they're walking obviously out what God's plan is, who are they obeying? God. 31. Him, talking about Jesus, God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel, notice, and for the forgiveness of sins. We are his witnesses to these very things. So also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. 33, when they heard this, they were what? Furious. Now they're wanting to kill him. They plotted, how could we kill him? Then one in the council stood up a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people. And he commanded these very leaders to put the apostles outside for a little while. Boys, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're getting too out of hand here. Put them outside for a minute. Let me just have a little talk with you religious leaders here which he was one of, 35. He said to them, men of Israel, you better take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. This guy had some knowledge. This guy had some wisdom. 36, for some time ago, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400 joined him. He was slain and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. Why? He wasn't preaching Jesus. He was leading people down his own little pathway. 37, this man, Judas of Galilee, rose up in the days of the census, and he drew away men after him. He also perished. What did he draw men after? After him, not after Jesus. He drew men after him. He also perished, and all who, were, all who obeyed him were what? They were dispersed. 38, and now I say to you, you ready? 38's the key verse. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. Underline it. For if this plan... Or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. You know what it means? Won't prevail. Won't stand. Won't ultimately stand the test of time and accomplish what obviously God wanted to accomplish. But look at verse 39. But if it's of God, come on. If, this, if it's God's plan, you cannot overthrow it lest you even be found to fight against God. Underline it, lest you even be found to fight against God. 
When you have God's plan, does it mean that the uh, aspects of what we see in the natural with people and therefore even demonic powers behind them, does it mean they won't come against you? No. See, a lot of people have two sides of the coin stupidity when it comes to walking out the plan of God. One, one standard is, if I'm in the plan of God, all hell breaks loose against me. And if it's not, I'm obviously not in the plan of God. Who told you that? Where in the Bible does it say that if you're in the plan of God that you got to just have all the, all the aspects of hell come against you so much so that it's just constant all the time? That wasn't true of the disciples every day. The other side of the ditch is if I'm in the plan of God, everything will work perfect. It'll all come to, it'll just fall in place. Everything will work. No problems, no challenges, no issues. No, they're being challenged. They were arrested. After this, when they released them, guess what they did before they released them? They beat them. And they rejoiced. I said they rejoiced. I got one amen from Susanna. They rejoiced. Why did they rejoice, church? Why did they rejoice, church? Because they were in the plan of God. We're doing what God told us to do. So you got to realize and stay down the middle of the road. It doesn't mean you won't have challenges if you're walking in the plan of God. But it also doesn't mean that everything just goes hunky-dory perfect and there's no challenges. Could I get a better amen? So they very clearly were in the plan of God. And they very, in understanding this, Nicodemus had enough sense to know. Listen, I guarantee you what, because he knew what's going on with these boys is not normal. The manifestations and the healings and all the stuff that was going on, that's got to be God here. And if this is God, I'll guarantee you what, you go against these boys, you ain't going against them, you're going against God. When you're in God's plan, when people fight you, they're not fighting you, so get over it. <laughs> when you're in the plan of God and people fight against you, they're not fighting against you. Get over it. They might think they're fighting against you. But guess what? Nicodemus was smart enough to know if this plan's of God, huh? Sorry. What? Gamaliel. Gamaliel, sorry. Thank you. Uh, Gamaliel was smart enough to know if, this, if these boys are in the plan of God, you're not fighting against them. You're fighting against God. If you're walking in the plan of God and you face opposition, ladies and gentlemen, they're not fighting against you. Quit getting upset about everybody getting upset about what you're doing. You listening? Stick, at, stick with what God told you to do. Trust him. Walk out the plan and know they're not fighting against me. They're fighting against God. And guess what? God don't lose. God's plans prevail. We kind of have a twofold issue with this. One, we got Christians again who the minute they start walking out what they think is the plan of God and everything don't fall into place and it just works perfect and I, you know, I become rich or this happens and all these things fall into place so this person and that person, everything's good, oh man, just wonderful, glory to God. I must have missed God. Who said? That's not how you figure out God's plan. You don't figure out God's plan by whether what you're doing has any opposition to it or not. That's not how you figure it out. You figure out God's plan with what's on, on the inside of your spirit, man, in the Word of God. That's right. Can I get a better amen? Yeah. So in reference to many plans in a man's heart, that actually is referring not to his spirit. That's referring to his soul. In that context of that verse in the book of, he, in the book of Proverbs, in the Hebrew language, the heart there's referring to his soul. And that's the problem. A lot of believers today, born again, really can't di uh, differentiate between what is their soul and what is their spirit, man. But when we're in God's plan, if anybody's fighting against you, they're not really fighting against you. They're fighting against God. So just back up and quit getting so upset about it and say, hey, no big deal. They're fighting against my God. And guess what? He don't lose. Right. 
Go back to Proverbs now. Proverbs 16. This is why you need to know God's plan. If you don't know God's plan, then you don't know clearly. If you're walking out what God intended for you, then you cannot uh, clearly acknowledge that God is on your side and fighting for you. When people say, well, I just know God's on my side fighting for me. Not if you're not in his plan. He's not going to fight for you if you're not in his plan. He can't. Once again, he'd be fighting against his plan. And he leads you down a pathway that would not be good. We've got to know God's plan. Say it. We've got to know God's plan. If we know God's plan and we work it, guess what will happen if people come against you? Once again, you're not going to fail unless you quit. The only way that you fail in God's plan is you give up on God and God's plan. You stop trusting him. You stop doing what he told you to do. Taking too long. No, no sign of any change. Nothing's happening. Nothing's going on. No money's coming in. Uh, this isn't working. No people are wanting my, my you know, um, aspects of my goods. Or nobody's wanting to hire me. Nobody's wanting to promote me. Or on and on we could go, folks. Listen, if you know where you're, where you're supposed to be in God, guess what? It's going to prevail. It'll work. Amen. I said it'll work. Amen. Can I get a better amen? amen. If, if you're in a job, you need to know you're in the job God had, had created for you for this time of your life. You might go through different jobs, but if you're truly in the very position where God wants you and the job he wants you, guess what? He can help you. Yes. Why? You're working his plan. Yes. What if I'm not in the very position or job God wants me in? Well, it doesn't mean you still can't get blessed to a degree of your giving and stuff, but he can't fully work with you like he could if you were in the plan of God. Amen. He wants you in his plan. Yes. I said he wants you in his plan. And he's got a plan for all of us. Proverbs 16. You still with me? Verse 1. The preparations of the heart belong to man. Many people have misunderstood this verse. Grateful for scholars like Adam Clark who gives the true understanding of the original Hebrew here. The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Like as if we're supposed to prepare for what we're supposed to believe and be believing to do, and then God is going to answer what we say and do what we're telling him to do. No. This verse actually is saying that man prepares a lot of stuff in his life, but if he's preparing it, God will not help him. Because if it's his plan, God's not going to help bring it to pass. It's a similar verse to what we've been reading already. The preparation of the heart belongs to man. That simply means man plans a lot of things. Man plans a lot of things. But the true answer of what you're supposed to do is coming from the tongue of the Lord. Are you listening? In other words, again, I could have a lot of plans, but if I want the ultimate plan, where am I going to find that from? I got to hear it from God. I got to hear it from God. And a lot of people still haven't heard God's plan for their life or what they're doing currently right now. They just have all these ideas that they're trying to work out, which could be nothing more than an idea or a preparation of an idea of a plan you had in your heart. But if it ain't God's, amen? So what's this verse telling you? You don't find the plan that God has for you by looking to yourself. You got to look to the tongue of the Lord. You got to hear from God. Verse 1 is saying you've got to hear from God. Amen. You've got to hear from God. If you don't hear from God, you're, you're probably making wrong preparation in some way in your life because you're not walking out what he has for you. He goes on to tell you in verse 2, all the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. Do you hear that? Yeah. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. In other words, he thinks his plan's a good one. He thinks what he's got planned out is a good idea. 
But the Lord weighs the spirits. In other words, the Lord is the one that knows the true intent behind why you want to do what you want to do. I've known people that have left places and moved elsewhere, and I've even asked them and said, has God spoken to you about a pastor there? No. Have you even looked for a church? No. Why are you going? Well, job, we like it there. We want to live there. We've always wanted to live there. Oh, okay. It's all we, 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 I. Where's God in the midst of that? I've sadly known of stories of people that died early on the planet because they moved somewhere God didn't tell them to move. Well, I don't believe in that, Pastor. Are you kidding me? If you are out of God's plan to the degree that you're just going after what you want in life, you don't think Satan couldn't take advantage of you? I know people get upset about this stuff. Our pastors taught it for years. It's an absolute truth. How many believe that your babies, if the Lord tarries, and they're to marry, God has somebody already chosen for them? But what if they're not in the right place? Who are they going to meet? Now, I cannot tell you, sadly, as a pastor of 32 years, how many people I've watched come and go from my church, and I'm not, I don't follow up with them. I, they, they call us about things going on, or we go to this event or that event or whatever. I've watched way too much pain and way too much heartache and way too much wrong things happen in people's lives, all because I know you left where God told you to be. You chose to go somewhere else, and this is why your kids have gone through marriage after marriage or had children out of wedlock or had situations in their life that shouldn't have happened. Right. You can say what you want, but you're, if you're out of God's plan, God can't bless it. I said if you're out of God's plan, God can't bless it. The ways of a man are pure in his own, in his own eyes. What he thinks is right for me, it's what I want to do, it's how I want to live, it's where I want to go, it's where I want to move, it's what I want to have, it's what I want to own, it's what I want to do, I, 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 I. And he goes on to say, but it's the Lord that knows the true intent behind what, why you're doing it. In other words, there's people who say what they're doing is even, in some cases, they even believe it's God. But guess what? If it's not in the plan of God, it ain't of God. Can I get a better amen? Realize the significance of living your life out in relationship to the plan of God for your life. Now, a lot of people don't believe in this today, clearly. A lot of Christians don't believe in this today. They, don't, they believe they can live anywhere they want. God will take care of them. How'd that work out for a lot? You're awful quiet tonight. How'd that work out for a lot? Let's see. So Lot and Abraham get to the point where they're so blessed with so much, so much cattle. And all, all that happens is, is that the land can't hold them all. And honestly, Lot's simple, simple deal. Lot's servants are fighting with Abraham's because they got no room for all the cattle. Can I help you? Go bless somebody with them. What if Lot would have never left Abraham? What if he never would have? Are you kidding me? This guy winds up in Sodom and Gomorrah in which some angels showed up at his house to warn him about the destruction to come and Lot is so perverted now. He is so perverted from where he was when he was with Abraham that he has literally people coming to his door, banging at the door, wanting to get these angels, other men, and he offers them his daughters. How perverted can you get, folks? Why did that happen? He got out. 
of God's plan. I think the Bible has some revelation that you better know where you're supposed to be and you can't just live wherever you want. Think God's going to bless you in it. Can I get a better amen? And Christians just don't seem to get this or they don't want to because all their plans are pure in their sight. But God knows the intent. I said God knows the intent. And the truth is, Lot's intent was wrong. Lot wanted to continue to do what? Grow more cattle, become more wealthy, more. My gosh, he had all that he needed. Why'd you need more? Wrong intent. I said wrong intent. So next time somebody says, I can just live anywhere I want. I can just go be wherever I want. It don't matter, man. Come on. God created the whole planet. Again, talked a lot about that when you get to heaven. Because it didn't work so good for Lot. You listening? Verse 3, what are we supposed to do then? Look, verse 3, commit your works to the Lord. Commit your works to the Lord. You're supposed to trust your life. The word commit means to trust. You're supposed to trust what you do with your life to the Lord. Meaning what? You can't do that without knowing what he wants you to do. Come on, somebody. You know, there's a difference between being in a situation, no jobs, hardly at all available, got to work, currently got to find something to do to take care of my family, feed my family, whatever, for a period of time. I understand that. But to to, to say that I'm going to work in a situation of a job that I can't serve God, I can't ever have anything to do with God, I can't ever have anything to do with the church because I got to work all the time. I'll tell you what Pastor Barclay says, you're serving Pharaoh. That ain't God's plan. I said, that ain't God's plan. What is God's plan? Commit your works. Trust all that you do to the Lord. Watch this, watch this. And your thoughts, bad translation. The word there is plans. And your plans will be what? Established. How many want your plans established by God? Ah, come on. How many want your plans established by God? No, 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 no. How many want your plans established by God? What do you got? You got to commit all of what you do with your life. To the Lord, you got to commit that to Him. You got to trust Him with those decisions. You got to trust Him with the choices you make in life to find out is this what He wants for me? Is this what He wants for my family? Is this my pastor? Is this my church? Is this my job? Is this my business? Is this what He wants me to do? If I'm walking out God's plan, it doesn't mean I might not face challenges, but guess what, baby? I prevail. I overcome because God's plan can't be what? It can't be thwarted. That's right. It can't be defeated. I'll tell you one of the reasons a lot of Christians are so defeated today. You want to know why? Because they're not in God's plan. Why? Why are they not? I'm going to give you the answer. Comes down to one word, don't it, Kim? Comes down to one word. Anybody know what it is? Tell them, Kim. Huh? Nope. What we talked about yesterday. Comes down to one word. Relationship. Relationship. How would I not go know God's plan? You don't have a close relationship with him. How could you not know his plan if you had a close relationship with him? You know what causes Christians to be disobedient most of the time? Lack of relationship. I've watched people develop. A pastor has too. I've watched people develop. He had a guy come to his church. Man, I mean, his life is a mess. His marriage is a mess. They got no money. They're, they're broke. Can't hardly pay their bills. 
But guess what he did? He started learning how to develop a relationship with God through Dr. Barclay and through the church. And he started doing it. He started showing up for prayer. He's at the altars. He's praying. He's at church every time the doors are open. He's getting to know God. He's getting to learn how to walk with God. He's getting to know God's voice. He's starting to make decisions based on God's direction for his life. And golly, Gomer, guess what happens? The blessings start rolling in. But you know what he does? Like Lot, he wants more. To the degree he starts working now on Sundays, he can't come to church on Sunday anymore. He can't come to church during midweek anymore because he's working late because now it's all about how much can I make. And he totally gets focused off of what was God's plan for his life and gets redirected to now all, all about money. I'm going to tell you what, folks. I watched somebody personally that I care about dearly do this in our church. And they went from a place of not knowing God to developing a relationship with God and getting close to God and walking with God. And God began to bless them to the degree they got a six-figure income. Then they lost everything, marriage and all. You want to know why? Got your focus on the wrong thing? Stop walking with close relationship with God. And guess what happens when your relationship with God starts getting weak? You start getting weak as a believer and you start going back to your own plans. And you'll claim God's blessing you. And you'll claim God's still directing your steps. It's all about relationship, folks. How in the world could Noah trust God to build an ark? Relationship. How in the world could Abraham trust a God to leave all of his family, all his security? Come on, somebody. Where he was living at the time was a nice region, nice area. Guess where God takes him? Out in the desert to live in a tent the rest of his life. How could you do that? Relationship. How could you offer up the very promise of a son that's now been given to you by Sarah, supernaturally by God, and now have God tell you, take him up on Mount Moriah and offer him as an offering? How could you do that? How in the world could you take it? Do you imagine? How could you take this one promised son that you've finally gotten, and now you're going to literally walk out what God has asked you to do, take him up to Mount Moriah and get ready to offer him as a sacrifice, even tying him down and preparing him as a sacrifice and raising the knife, and then God speaks. Why did God do it that way? I ain't God. You're asking the wrong person. I don't know. He's God. He knows what he's doing. But you know what? Abraham did what he did because he was in the plan of God, and I'm going to tell you why. He knew him. He knew him. Do you know what he was doing? Paving the way for Jesus to come. The very place where he offered his son or was going to offer, where he took to offer up his son on Mount Moriah is the very place that most scholars believe. That's where Jesus died. That's where he gave his life. That's where he shed his blood. God's so perfect in what he does, man. I said God's so perfect in what he does. And God had to have a man that he could cut covenant with, Abraham, to prepare the way for Jesus to come. Thank you, Father Abraham. But I'm going to tell you why he did it. You want to know why? He trusted God. I'll tell you why. Relationship. Say relationship. I think the number one thing we all need to start examining relationship to the plan of God in our life is what? Our relationship with God. So in Acts, excuse me, in a, a, a Proverbs 16 here, we got to do what? What we got to do here? We got to hear from God. I said we got to hear from God. You listening? Verse 1, preparation of the heart belongs to man, meaning that you don't want to go with what you're planning out. You, you need the answer from what? From the Lord. Don't prepare what you want to do. Hear from the Lord. Find out what he wants you to do. Amen. Any good amens on that? Amen. If you look down a little further into verse 9, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. 
So that sounds like I make the plans, but yet God still directs my steps. If that was true, you'd be a robot. It can't mean that because you're not a robot. You have a free will. It's referring to the same thing. A man may have all these different plans in his heart, but if he really wants to walk out what's right on the side of God, he needs the Lord to direct his steps. How many want the Lord to direct your steps? So what we got to do? We got to hear from God. So I got to hear from God. Acts 13. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now go to Acts 13. We were, I was a little ahead of myself earlier. Come on, we're almost done. Acts 13. So if we need to hear from God, what should we do in relationship to the day we live in to hear from God? Fast and pray. That's why we're going into a fast. Fast and pray. It's one of the best ways to get yourself in a position to hear from God. God doesn't have a hard time talking to us. He has a hard time getting us to hear him. Because if I'm caught up in my soul, mind, will, and emotions of what I think is a plan of God for my life or what God wants, and I'm not hearing up out of my spirit in line with the word, what God wants, I'm not in his plan yet. What do I need to do? I need to get this flesh under control where I can quiet my soul and hear from God. If you hear from God, guess what you got? You've got, an, you've got a prevailing plan. You've got a plan that will not be defeated. All you got to do is trust him in it. And it'll come to pass. It will rarely come to pass in the time you thought it would, but it will come to pass. And God has a perfect time for everything, folks. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 1, it says, In the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Serene, Menean, and also brethren brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. Just talking about all these of those who were with them at the time. Verse 2 is the key. Watch this. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, underline that. What they do? They ministered to the Lord. Guess what you can do? Minister to the Lord. Minister, one of the words for minister means to serve. Amen. They ministered to the Lord and did what would they do? Fasted. And therefore, as they did this, the Holy Spirit said, say the Holy Spirit said. That's who you want to hear from. I said, that's who you want to hear from. Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they did what? Sent them away. I would not want to be doing what I'm doing like Paul and Barnabas called to fivefold ministry without having a leader over me, having heard from God, having known that call of God is on my life, and having laid hands on me and sent me out in that calling. Because that's how God does it in fivefold ministry. But the point I'm making is how significant is it for Barnabas and Saul to know that they're in the will of God? Very significant. The church of their day is being persecuted day in and day out. They're risking their lives preaching the gospel. Guess where you don't want to be? Out of the will of God. So how did they find out that these two were to be separated unto the Lord? Verse 2 is the key. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. I want you to write this down. The term minister there actually is a phrase that is pretty powerful when you look at it in relationship to Greek scholars revealing what that word means. It's actually referring, you ready, to the work of prayer. Not just prayer, it's called the work of prayer. Prayer is a work and it's not a bad work. Meaning it takes effort. It takes effort. You know, I was talking to Kim about this the other day. We were talking about the aspects of some issues in relationship to what travailing in prayer is. Travailing in prayer is not me crying for everybody. 
Travailing means if I'm interceding for somebody, whatever situation they're in, if I truly do the work of prayer to the degree that I travail biblically, it's almost as if I feel like them. You listening? If they're in fear, it's like fear comes on me. If they're distraught, it's like that distraughtness comes on me. Brother Hagen learned this. He said, I, I got so caught up one time in prayer for some people that I knew weren't born again, I felt as if I was lost, that I wasn't even saved anymore. Why would you do that, Pastor? I'm going to tell you why. Because when you persevere in prayer to the degree that God gets done what He wants to do, that lifts off of you. When it lifts, guess what you now know? I'm done. You're not done till it goes away. You're not done till it lifts off of you. You're not really praying effectively to a degree, to some degree. You're not really praying effectively in intercessory prayer until you really get into the position of prayer to where God lets you experience what they are going through. Because when that happens, now you know as you pray, you'll keep praying until what? That lifts. And when it lifts, you now know God got done what needed to be done. And Brother Halverson was great at this who was a great friend of uh, 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 Billy Brims and Brother Hagen knew him. Incredible man in prayer. So I want you to see this again. To minister to the Lord here before we ever get to the fasting part is to do the work of prayer. Say work of prayer. So what is the work of prayer? Okay, there are basically three elements to the work of prayer. One, supplication. Two, worship. And three, giving of thanks. This is the work of prayer. What you're about to do is have an opportunity for three days to be able to do what? Minister to the Lord and fast. If you do the work of prayer, you'll hear from God like they did. Amen. They did the work of prayer they heard from God. If you're going to fast and pray, but your only prayer time is only going to be 15, 20, 30 minutes at a time, you're probably not going to hear anything from God over the next three days or those three days of fasting because you're not really taking the time to press in to get to the place where you can hear God clearly. And the work of prayer is actually three elements again. It is these three elements, supplication, it is also uh, worship, and it is also thanksgiving. So how do we begin? We begin with supplication or petition or, in essence, a true entreaty to God of what we're seeking Him about. What's the purpose of why you're there? Better way to say it. If you're going to God in prayer, why? Why are you there? What's your purpose? In this time of fasting and prayer, like it was for them, it was to hear from God. Amen. What were they there for? Why were they spending this time in prayer? Because we need to hear from God about Paul and, uh, Paul and Barnabas. Right. We well, you know what God wants here. You listening? Yes. So you got to start off with letting God know why you're there. Well, he already knows all things. Doesn't matter. If you want to do the work of prayer, you need to let him know why you came. Yes. You listening? And these three days of fasting and prayer, you're not interceding for anybody else. You're praying for you. Why are you there praying each day? I'll tell you why you should be there praying each day. Father, I'm coming today again to hear the plan of God. That's my purpose. That's why I'm here. You got to give him a specific purpose of why you're there. God don't work with generalities. He works with specifics. Can I get a better amen? So the supplication part is me and you with the true entreaty from our heart of a desire to hear something or know something from God. And you got to tell him what it is you want to hear or know. When you do that, in the midst of that prayer time, as you begin to pray, as you can continue in times of supplication with the Holy Spirit's help, because he knows things to say you don't know what to say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, in our weakness where we don't know what all to ask God about, the Holy Spirit does. And you let him lead you as you continue to pray. But then you got to get to a place where you start worshiping God. Meaning what? I am submitting to your plan. Right. 
I'm here to submit to it. I'm here to hear from you. Worship means to bow the knee to a superior. So in prayer, the purpose isn't to just pray to hear from God. It's to pray to hear from God knowing I'm going to do whatever he tells me. And as you begin to acknowledge and recognize and honor God and exalt him and lift him up, you're there to tell him and let him know, I'm here to do whatever you tell me, Lord. I'm here to fulfill your plan. And the final part, thanksgiving. And I'm thanking you. I'm thanking you that as I take these times to pray and to seek you and to fast, I'm going to hear from God. Come on, somebody. If you're not going to thank him that you're going to hear from God, you're not in faith. I said, you're not in faith. Well, I sure hope I hear something from God. You won't. You won't. You're not in faith. James 1, if you lack wisdom, the true nature of something, ask of God. But you've got to ask in faith. Nothing doubting. For he who doubts is like a double-minded man, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, who will receive nothing from the Lord. Nothing. Why? Because you're not in faith that he'll talk to you. You're not really believing you'll hear from him. If you're not believing you'll hear from him, why are you talking to him to begin with? Why would you go talk to a God that you don't even believe you're going to hear from? You listening? It is religion. Kathy's exactly right. It's just what we know is a religious rigmarole of just going through prayers that have no effect. God wants you to understand prayer is you communicating with him. You're talking to him, he'll talk back. He'll reveal stuff up out of your spirit. But this is where understanding why fasting is so important. This is where fasting comes in. Because what hinders us from getting to that place to hear from God? Your flesh does. What does fasting do? Deals with your flesh. See, skipping a meal doesn't cause you to tune into God better just because you skipped a meal. You still here? No, it doesn't. What does your flesh start doing when you skip meals? It starts talking to you. Well, why would I fast then if my flesh is going to talk to me? Because you're going to put your flesh under and tell it to shut up. And you're going to tell it, you're not the ruler of my life here. You rule me too much as it is. Because every time I get a little growl in my stomach, I'm running to grab food all the time to just simply satisfy you and just pat you on the little back and say, here you go. Oh, you want that sweet? Okay, come on, let's go get the donut. Come on, here you go. I know I've already had 15 today, but you want another one? No problem. Here you go. Oh, you want that? Okay, I'll just give you what you want. Now, see, in fasting, you know what you're telling your flesh? You're done calling the shots, big boy. Come on, man. You flesh are not calling the shots. I'm a spirit. I'm not a body. You don't rule me, body. I said, you don't rule me, body. So this is what fasting does. Fasting is telling your flesh, shut up. Boy, but it talks to me when I'm fasting. It will for a while. Because it's almost in the fact, fact that it's still, uh, obviously nothing good dwells in the flesh, that it's almost in the fact still under the similar type of nature of Satan. Guess what? It wants its way. And it's like casting out a demon. They don't instantly usually leave. They'll, they'll throw a fit. But if you just shut up and do what you're supposed to do and walk in authority and know your rightful place, guess what they know? I got to go. Guess what your flesh knows that you many, many Christians don't know? I got to shut up and I got to quit. Unless I can get them to respond to me. Come on, man. It's like your little dog that you don't ever want to ever tell no to. And they just keep coming back and keep coming back. Because you won't tell them no. You won't stop listening to them. You keep giving them what they want. Go ahead, tell your neighbor. He's preaching better than your amen tonight. Go ahead, tell him. Trying to help you. 
I said, I'm trying to help you. The fasting part deals with the flesh so that I can do the work of prayer to hear from God. Come on, somebody. Say it. The fasting part deals with my flesh so I can do the work of prayer to hear from God. What if you don't do the work of prayer? Don't fast. There's no reason for you to even think about fasting during these three days. If you're not going to devote some really good quality time to prayer, don't do it. All you're going to do is be hungry. You're not going to hear anything from God. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to say, well, they said this fasting prayer things worked, but it don't work for me. I didn't hear anything from God. Why? Because you didn't take time to really spend time talking to God. You got to do the work of prayer. Right? And that's devoting some time to press in and keep doing what you got to do day after day after day till you can get to the place where you get that flesh shut up. And guess what will happen? God's going to reward you with answers. Matthew 6, come on, closing. Matthew 6, go quickly. Hallelujah. Matthew 6. Fasting, skipping meals does not cause you to hear God because you skipped a meal. It causes you to deal with your flesh to make it shut up so your spirit can get the dominance of your life again and that you can hear from God where you're going to truly hear from him. That's within your spirit, man. But you got to do the work of prayer. If you're going to go through these three days of fasting, I don't care if you work during the day, I get it. You can't, obviously, in the case of some of you guys uh, work, you can't you know, tell your boss, sorry, man, I'm taking two hours off here for a moment to go pray. He's not going to probably let you do that. But this is where I want to talk about some practicality with families, okay? If you, you need to help each other with this, especially you got kids. In relationship to the fact that you're going to fast and pray, especially with kids at home, you need to try to work something out to where my husband at least gets an evening to come home. If he's fasting dinner, there's no reason to cook him dinner. Right? I'm going to take the kids. I'm going to let him go get in a prayer closet somewhere let him talk to God. Give him the rest of the evening. Now, if you're just going to come home every day and watch your TV and spend about 10 minutes talking to God, don't even do this. You're just going to waste your time. This is a devotion to hear from God because once you got his plan and you trust him and do it, guess what happens? You, you, you succeed. You have success. How bad do you want to know God's plan? You got to know it bad enough to deal with your flesh and say, guess what? I'm not going to come home and watch TV. I'm not going to come home and surf the internet. I'm not going to come home and do all these things. I'm going to do what? I'm going to pray. I'm going to do the work of prayer because guess what God wants to do? He wants to talk to me about 2024. And beyond. He wants to prepare me for what's ahead. He may want to warn me about some things and reveal some things that I'm not doing that I need to or reveal some things that he has planned that I haven't even realized. Matthew 6, verse 16. I'm just here to preach to you tonight, Lord, I guess. Verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, not if. It's not supposed to be an option for the believer. When you fast, do not, do, get, notice this, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. They disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. What's the reward? That people saw them, uh, just recognize, oh, they must be on a fast. Man, they look pretty upset. Not looking too happy today. <laughs> Got your reward. Meaning what? They ain't going to hear from God because they're not doing it to hear from God. They were doing it to obviously have men look at them like thinking there's something really spiritual because they're fasting. You'd have been better off to just eat the meal and go on about your life. Verse 17, but you say me, when you fast. Say when you fast. What do you do? Anoint your head, wash your face. Now you don't have to go home and get a bottle of oil and anoint your head. 
But you might want to wash your face every day. That's a good idea. But he just said, go through your normal routine. Go through your normal. You don't turn around and act different towards people because you're fasting. 18, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is where? In the secret place. Where's the secret place? That's the place of the work of prayer. That's in the spirit. That's in the quiet time. That's in pressing in to hear him. In the secret place, guess what? The father will see you who sees you in secret, and he will do what? He'll reward you openly. He'll answer. He'll answer. So in this time of fasting and prayer, a couple things to talk about real quick in closing. Number one, either choose to fast the whole three days or not. You don't have to. And if you're not used to that or accustomed to that, you may not want to do that right off the get-go. But you can choose to fast a day, or you can choose to fast a certain meal all three days. But if you want to take it, you don't have to do it at all. You don't have to, this is no, this is no requirement by CFF and bless God, if you don't fast, pastor thinks you're, you know, a a spiritual lazy bum. Not at all. Not at all. I'm not, and in some cases, some people with their work and stuff, if they tried to fast, man, they wouldn't have the the ability to do their job. We're not telling you that. We're saying that you got to talk to God and figure out how to do this if you want to get the benefit. Right? So you got to make a plan. So in relationship to fasting, you can either go all three days without food. If you do, what do you need to do? Drink lots of water. Or number two, you can fast a meal each day. Or number three, you can choose to fast one of those certain days. Here's the key. When are you going to have the opportune time to pray? Out of those three days, what's going to work for you in those three days to have some time to pray? Whatever time that is. Fast during that time. Don't do, don't do the meal thing. So if you will take the time to do that, number two, what else should I fast? What are we dealing with? Our flesh. Guess what they didn't have in their day? Facebook. Social media. You know the most carnal, fleshly thing in most people's lives today? Social media. Let me encourage you. Get off of social media. Well, you don't. I post scripture on it every day. I will not be on there talking to people. I will not be on there, you know, in any way doing something to gratify my flesh. People expect my daily blog every day. If you're on social media and you see my daily blog, that just tells me you're not fasting it. (laughs) You don't have to. I said you don't have to if you don't want to. I'm just telling you if you want to hear from God, you need to try to deal with everything that's of the fleshly nature that wants to distract you from listening to your spirit and hearing from God. Amen. And there ain't much on social media that's going to cause you to be able to hear better from God. He don't speak through social media. Well, he's spoken through me. No, he don't. He speaks by his spirit. He might have spoke out of a verse to you or something. But, you know, he don't speak through social media in the sense like he's revealing something because you saw a little dog do something little funny and God talked to you. I'm just here to tell you, you got to hear from God in your heart, from the Word of God and from the Spirit of God, what's God got planned for your life. Because once you know it, we're going to talk about Sunday. What do I do next? So, number one for tonight. If you want to prepare for 2024, does everybody want to do that? Number one, you need to hear from God. You need to hear from him. You need to hear what he has planned. Because until you got that, there's really nothing to be able to walk out. You got to hear from God. That's what fasting and prayer is all about. Helps us to do that. You see it all through the book of Acts. You see it all through the Bible, even in relationship back to the Old Testament. 
And thank God all it's doing is the fasting part is dealing with our flesh. I would even encourage as an example, if there's certain foods or things, it, like you can even do in some cases where some people might not fast or be able to fast every single meal or all the meals, guess what you can fast? Fast sugars, fast all desserts, fast all the pleasant foods that you would normally eat that you don't really need. Amen? And just eat good, healthy stuff that you might need every day to get you to your job. But get rid of all the garbage junk. That will help deal with your flesh some. Because I will promise you, if you're used to sweets every day, the first day you go without it, guess what your flesh is going to say? Hey, where did them sweets go? Guess what you can do? I'm sorry, Muggs Baker and Cafe. Guess what you can do? You can live without sweets for three days. You will make it. You will survive. Can I get a better amen? You will survive social media. I will promise you. And it's a good idea, and some of you do, even in the context of social media, let people know, I'm not going to be on social media. Don't tell them, I'm fasting and praying to hear from God. Just tell them, I need some time away to be with the Lord, not going to be on social media for a few days, so if you're looking for me, you won't find me. Isn't it amazing how people today, because of the way our society is, how conditioned they've become to wanting to be able to talk to you when they want to talk to you? I mean, seriously, people call your cell phone, you don't answer. Man, guess what happens if they call your cell phone, you don't answer? They text you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They'll call your cell phone, and I don't have time to answer. I'm busy doing something else. And a few minutes later, ding, ding, here comes a text from the same person. Need you to call me. All you do is leave me an answer, a voicemail on my deal. If I could have taken the call, I would have picked it up. Can you remember we didn't have these things? I remember back in the day when you didn't even have the recorder at home, the answering machine at home. And if you weren't there to grab the phone when it rang, you had no idea if somebody called or not. They had no way to tell you until they saw you next time. Oh, we got answering machines. We thought we're jets in space age, buddy. Come on. You kidding me? You know what was so exciting when we first got one the first time? Couldn't wait to get home to rewind to see what somebody had said. And all this has led to today is people want instant response from us. That's the flesh, folks. I said, that's the flesh. So we expect the same from God. And the problem is most of us aren't spiritually in tune enough with God to hear him that well. And that's why we got to deal with our flesh. How many ready to hear from God? We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.